Good morning and welcome. Thank you so much for being with us on a terribly nasty Sunday morning. It's gross outside. It's been a really busy weekend for a lot of you, I know, with Christmas parades and dances and youth events and children's events. So I'm just so honored that you would make time to be here with us this week. Uh, if you have your Bibles, you're going to be in the book of Ruth, chapter 2. Ruth, chapter 2. You can go ahead and start turning there. Last week, I was informed that I, I missed a book. So let me give you how to get there. you got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and then Joshua that I apparently skipped last week, and then Judges, and then the book of Ruth. So I believe that makes Ruth the eighth book in the Bible, if my math is correct right there. Uh, but uh, again, if you have a hard time finding it, please use your table of contents. As you're turning, let me just give you this announcement real quickly. Um, I didn't announce last week. We wanted to make sure we had time for everybody to get everything turned in. But uh, we did have um, uh, more than 80% of our church body voted in favor of us moving forward to the next phase of, um, uh, of, of uh, building plans. So that is going to be the next phase and next step for our, our refocus team as they will be coming back to you guys at some point in the relatively near to distant future. We, we'll call it the medium future with um, uh, some further detailed plans about exactly what the future could look like here at Malvern Hill. So I appreciate everybody's support. Please continue to pray for that team as they move forward. All right. Hopefully you have your Bibles. I'm going to ask you if you would, uh, in just a moment, to stand. Understand we're going to read a, a little bit longer passage of Scripture, so if, if that's a, a difficulty for you, we understand. But if you are able, please stand with us in honor of God's Word, and we're going to read Ruth chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Hear now, for this is the Word of the Lord. Now Naomi had a relative of her husband, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field of the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. And, and behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his young man who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, She is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, Please let me glean among the reapers, or glean among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came and has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one. But keep close to my young women, let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping, and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me. About, and how you left your father and mother in your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Let's pray together. Father God, we acknowledge that your word is true and that it is alive and active. Father God, I pray today that it would leap off the pages of our Bibles and leap into our minds and our hearts and it would change us. Move among us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
This morning we celebrate the Sunday of Advent the, the, of, of love, um, and yet the title of the sermon is about hope. This morning I want you to know there's hope to be found in Bethlehem. There's hope because God loved us enough to send his only son Jesus uh, to be born in Bethlehem, to live 33 years of sinless perfection, ultimately to die on a cruel cross. There's hope in Bethlehem because as Adam told me this morning, the very first king-sized bed was in a manger in Bethlehem. Nobody. I didn't think it was that funny either. The, the early service laughed their heads off. Y'all got to pick up your game. Um, if y'all don't like it, that one was from Adam. I don't know if I mentioned the Adam Whiteside, so y'all blame him. But there is, there's hope. And some of you need to be reminded that there's hope because the reality is I love Christmas. I do. It is my favorite time of the year. I even have on a brand new Christmas tie that I wore just for y'all this morning. I just realized I forgot my jacket in my office, but I have my tie on. Uh, and I have on my green pants and I have on Christmas socks. I love everything about Christmas. I love the lights. I love the songs. I love the music. I love all the food that I have and will continue to eat for the next few weeks. I love Christmas. And yet, in the middle of that, Christmas can be a really hard thing for a lot of people. Uh, just this past Friday, we had a funeral service for a man in our church who passed away. And his family uh, will, will struggle and will grieve this Christmas season with the loss of someone they love. Uh, several folks in our church have passed in recent weeks. And those families will grieve. Some of you struggle at Christmas to grieve with a loved one who you lost years ago even. And continues to be uh, a void in your life. Uh, Christmas can be really challenging uh, some of you though the, the the loss or the struggle at Christmas might not even be as easy to to name as the person that you miss there's just a darkness or a struggle that comes in this season of life well I, I want you to know that you're not all alone as a matter of fact as we consider the story of Ruth and Naomi we're, we're talking about two women who were in the middle of incredible struggle in their life we're talking about two women who were experiencing terrible tragedy. They had lost three men in their lives that they loved dearly. For Ruth, she had lost her husband, her brother-in-law, and her father-in-law. For Naomi, she lost her husband and her two sons. And it wasn't just that they had lost people that they loved. For women in this day and time, they had lost their security. They had lost, honest and truly, much of their hope. And here they find themselves in the middle of a deep, dark place and you've got Ruth who even goes so far as to walk away from her native land from her father from her mother from her family of origin and to go with her mother-in-law to a place that she had never been because she believed there was hope to be found in Bethlehem and this morning I want you to know that there is hope for you in Bethlehem even if this season seems dark Four things I'd like for us to see from this passage of Scripture this morning. If you feel forsaken, if you feel depressed, if you are struggling. The first thing this morning I want you to do is to trust God's promises. Trust God's promises. Do you know there's a difference between saying that you trust the Lord and actually trusting the Lord? There's a big difference. There's a big difference between me saying that I trust in a bungee cord and me stepping off that platform and actually trusting it to catch me before I hit the bottom. You know what I mean? Uh, for the record, I don't trust bungee cords that much. I haven't done that. But there's a big difference. Many of us speak of trusting the Lord, but we've never actually taken that step to trust that God would catch us before we hit the bottom. Trusting, actually trusting the Lord. When we consider 
the story of Ruth and Naomi, we're considering the story of two women who trusted the Lord not only in word but in deed as well. They actually went to Bethlehem because they actually believed and trusted that God would meet their needs in that place. Y'all, when we find ourselves in places of depression or in places of anxiety, we find ourselves in places of hurt and pain, it can be really challenging for us to trust God's promises, but I want to encourage you to remember God's word. Now, when I say that, I, I fear that I may sound like a broken record because I can't count how many times I've repeated those words over and over and over again. And I've said to you all, trust God's word. Remember God's word. Trust God's promises. And if you've heard me say that on repeat, perhaps some of you wonder, why do I continue to say that over and over? Maybe you sit back and go, Craig needs some better material. Maybe he needs some new material because he keeps saying the same things. Y'all, I know I keep saying it, but the reason I keep saying it is this, because we are prone to forget. We so quickly forget God's promises. We so easily forget God's word. It's just been a few weeks ago that I reminded you of my favorite hymn, Come Thou Found of Every Blessing. There in that hymn, he says, Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. But then the prayer that he prays in that song is, Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. We, we are so prone to forget God's love and pro, prone to forget God's promises. We can begin to believe that all we see or all we feel is all there is. And folks, I want you to know that when you feel forsaken of the Lord, you need to check your feelings with the truths of this word. And the truth of this word is that God says he would never leave or forsake. And if God said that, it really doesn't matter how you feel Right? Your feelings are lying to you. Your feelings will do that. Your feelings will tell you a lie. Have you ever gotten cold and, uh, and you were just convinced? This happens um, with, uh, at, at, at home sometimes. right? You get cold and, and you, you're just convinced that maybe the heat's not working and you get up and you check the thermostat and it's like 70 degrees in the house and you can't figure out why you're cold, uh, but you are. Um, I have to do this with my children because we don't keep ours set to 70 degrees and they're cold. I tell them they just need a sweatshirt and it's not that cold anyway. Um, but, you know, you get up and you, you check the thermometer. Surely it can't be that. Surely it's got to be wrong. It's not wrong. You're wrong, right? And when we feel forsaken by the Lord, y'all, listen to me. God didn't leave you. He didn't leave you because he doesn't lie. And when he said he wouldn't leave or forsake, he meant that. And just because you feel a certain way doesn't mean that you're right. And part of our remembering and part of our trusting is also involves our willingness to submit ourselves and surrender to the truths of God's word. I encourage you, when you feel that God may have left, trust his promises, as difficult as it may seem. Remember his word. The second thing this morning I want to encourage you to do when you feel forsaken by the Lord or you feel forgotten by the Lord or you feel neglected by the Lord, I want to encourage you to get around God's people. And I'll just be honest, this one may be the hardest, most challenging, most difficult point in this sermon. Because when we feel separated, when we feel forgotten, we feel neglected, a lot of times the last thing we actually want to do is to be around the people of God. As a matter of fact, when we feel separated from the Lord, we often want to 
actually become separated from God's people. I want you to know that in those places, you're in a place of danger. Why? Because Satan desires to separate you from God's people. He desires that. The Bible says that he is a thief, that he is a wolf, and the easiest way for him to harm God's people is to separate them from the church. I'm curious, what lies are you believing this year, this moment, this season? What lies are you believing that's keeping you separated from the church? Sometimes we can believe the lie that that life is just too hard and we just don't need to be among the people of the Lord. We, We just need to spend some time away and that's the best thing to make us feel better. We, we, were, we were tempted to do that some years ago. Uh, my daughter broke her leg, and in the middle of that, like it was, uh, it was just a really frustrating, bad, depressing day. It's, it's one that we've learned great lessons from because she had some x-rays done on a Sunday afternoon. Everything looked bad. We're potentially facing surgery the next day. Everything was kind of scary, all the other things. And Sunday night, we started Sunday night service, and Angela and I talked about maybe she should just stay home. Like she's depressed and nervous and upset. She's little and mom and dad are depressed, nervous and upset. Dad's got to be there and preach. But you know what? Everybody else, if you just need to stay here and catch your breath, that'll be fine. And, uh, and Angela said, well, you know, there's no reason not to go. So I guess we'll go. Truthfully, that wasn't an act of faith on our part. It's just because we're legalists. And so uh, I was like, well, that's where we're supposed to be. So we'll go. And, and that's what we did. And so we did, and, and we drug Aubrey in in a little red wagon because that's what she couldn't put weight on it. And um, everybody showed up depressed. And, but here's the thing. Word spreads like wildfire around here, and by the time we got here, everybody knew what was going on. And this has been nearly 10 years ago now, and by the time we got here, everybody knew. And so what she encountered, once she got around the people of God, what she encountered was people that was, were, 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 were determined to make her feel better. And so her little red wagon became one of those like cheer carts from the hospital, you know. We, we showed up with a kid in a wagon. We left with balloons and candy and teddy bears. And what we discovered was that, that our hearts, our flesh sinful hearts wanted us to be away from the people of God so that we could sort of sulk in the moment. But what we needed desperately was exactly what we desired the least. What we needed was the people of God. That's what we desperately needed. And as a result of that encounter, like everything got a little bit better. Everything got different. We need to get around God's people even when we don't want to. This is what happened with Ruth and Naomi. Some of you are going, Craig, is this a sermon about Ruth and Naomi? Look what happened. Ruth and Naomi left this foreign land and they came to where? To Bethlehem. They came to the city as a part of God's promise. They came and put themselves, immersed themselves in among God's people. And it was among God's people that they were able to find the deliverance that they so desperately needed. It was among the people of God that they were able to find hope. Not only do we need to get around, not only does Satan want to keep us separated, but look, the Bible teaches us in Hebrews chapter 10, it says that we are to stir one another up to good works and to not neglect to meet together. That's that's what the Bible says that we are to do. Now, the book of Hebrews, for those of you, this microphone is driving me nuts. Y'all want to know the problem? The problem is I have on a tie. It just occurred to me. And my collar is thick in the back. See, this is why I should never wear a tie again because my microphone falls off. Um, So the book of Hebrews, for those of you that weren't here when we preached through Hebrews about three or four years ago, the book of Hebrews was written to a group of people who were encountering persecution. Uh, They were being persecuted because of their faith. And yet in the middle of that, the writer of Hebrews says, hey, even if getting together causes you 
to be persecuted, even if it is detrimental, you've got to make sure that you get together. No matter what, you keep getting together. This word stir one another up, um, the, 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 the literal language there is spur, right? Like you would spur a horse, right? Spur one another on to good works. In other words, irritate each other if you have to, but make sure that what you're doing is encouraging one another to do good things, to seek the Lord. Do not neglect to meet together. We've got to be involved. Now, the, the devil doesn't just give us the lie of, uh, of well, it's, you just need some time to yourself. There's a lot of ways that the devil will lie to us to keep us away from the people of the Lord. If you're, if you're watching at home, there's a possibility that you're watching online because you've bought a lie from the devil. You've been out of church for a very long time, and as a result of that, You've begun to believe that you just can't go back because to go back, people would judge you. Listen, that, that's a lie that the devil te te teaches to you. There's open arms here. We desire for folks to come back, and when they come back, look, well, what do you, we want to put, a, put an arm around your neck and welcome you. That's our desire. But it's, it's not just that, that that would keep us away from the church. Some of you are not plugged into life groups. And in and, and all honesty, some of you go, well, Pastor Craig, I've, I've been here for so long. I've been here for three or four years. I never did find one. It would just be weird to find one right now. Again, that's a lie from the devil. There's nobody here that would think it was weird if you showed up at life group. As a matter of fact, what they would do is welcome you with open arms. All of our life groups are always eager to, to welcome others, except, except mine. We're, we're closed off. We don't want any people. Um, just kidding. Uh, we, we're all eager to welcome you. Right? And we, we desperately need that. I want to encourage you to get around God's people. That's challenging. And it can be terrifying. You say, you say Craig, you, you don't understand. Like, I don't want to burden others with my mess. Oh boy, the devil will convince us that that one's true, won't he? That you're just too much of a burden. Here's the problem. And we go back to trusting God's word. The Bible says that we are to bear one another's burdens. That's what the Bible says, right? You're not too much of a burden. Your mess is not too much. Your mess is a privilege for everybody else to come alongside, to walk with you. We are to bear one another's burdens. So in this holiday season, if you find yourself feeling forsaken and neglected, you can, if you're not careful, just exacerbate those feelings by separating yourself from the people of God. Let me encourage you this morning to get around God's people even if it's scary it wasn't until Ruth and Naomi got around God's people that they found the blessing that God had in store for them get around God's people the third thing this morning I would encourage you to do is do the work that God has given you do the work that God has given you do the job that God has assigned to you perform the task that he's given you the opportunity to participate in here at Christmas we celebrate, obviously, the birth of Jesus. And I believe, arguably, Mary had the greatest job in the history of the world. The greatest privilege to, to carry and give birth to the Son of God. But I, I'm just going to throw something out at you. I've never been pregnant, but I've been around a lot of y'all while you were pregnant. It doesn't always appear to be a joyful experience. There are aspects of that that seem terrible, right? Morning sickness, back pain, swollen feet, all the things. Let me tell you something about Mary. Mary was given a job to do by the Lord that we sit back and say, Blessed Mary, 
for the privilege that she had. She did not have a fun job to do. She had a challenging job. As a matter of fact, it wasn't just that it was physically challenging, right? Because of the way that Mary conceived of this child, Jesus, Mary was walking a line of being a social outcast. Mary found herself in a challenging position, which is a really good reminder for us. Good work may not always mean fun work. The work that God has assigned to you might not always seem like the most exciting or enjoyable thing. Now look, Ruth was going out into the fields. Why? Because Ruth was hungry. Ruth recognized that unless she went and worked, there was no food for she and Naomi. Ruth was going out into the fields. I do not believe for a minute that Ruth was just going, well, hot diggity dog, I get to go out. I get to go out, put on the garments of my poverty and glean behind whatever's left over. Nobody thinks that that is enjoyable or exciting and yet it was the job that the Lord had put in front of her to do. Y'all, sometimes as we're seeking a way out of our hopelessness, as we're trying to find answers to our feelings of forsaken, we can begin to believe another lie from the devil that if we'll just sit around and wait, that God's going to magically work everything out. Y'all, he's almost certainly not encouraging you to sit back in your lazy boy and then everything's going to work out just the way you want. Right? God puts something in front of you, you have an opportunity to perform that task. It might be that in the middle of that task, you begin to understand more about who the Lord is and what it is that he would have of you. It might be that the answer to your struggle lies in the work that the Lord gives your hands to do. But look, it's not only that. God's provision is often found in the work he puts in front of you to do. Now look, if you don't believe that, just consider For Ruth, she found her daily provision for she and Naomi in the gleaning that the Lord had given to her, right? Now, this gleaning was still God's provision. How was it God's provision? If you were to go back to Leviticus chapter 23, verse 22, you would read how it was that God commanded his people to not reap their fields all the way up to the edge. So whether that was the grain or the fruit, they were to leave something in the field so that the poor could follow after the reapers and they could glean, they could, they could, glean, they could reap enough to satisfy their need. In other words, they could be fed. So, so watch, you ready? This is God's provision. Now we're going to walk all the way back through our first two, uh, two points. So the first thing was that Ruth and Naomi trusted in God's word. They trusted in God's word enough to know that God had commanded the people in his place to provide for the poor. They trusted in God's word enough to know that there was going to be food and, 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 and provision for them in Bethlehem. Number two, they trusted in God's people enough to go and live among the people of God and to believe that the people of God were going to be obedient to the word of God in such a way so that they might find provision for their needs. They might find food. They might find sustenance. But not only that, we see that Ruth found even more in the fields than she could have hoped for. She found even more than she could have anticipated. Because what Ruth discovered was that when she got to that place, doing the work that God had put in front of her, 
the answer to the rest of her prayers was waiting. Y'all, sometimes we don't find the answer to our prayers because we're sitting back hoping that God's going to just deliver it to our front door. We've got to work in the things that God's given us. And look, I'm not suggesting that you work to earn your salvation. You'll never hear that from me. Your salvation is a free gift that God's given to you. And he's given to me. And that is our privilege that, that he's honored us in ways that we could never have deserved or earned. He's given us salvation in Jesus. But in that salvation, he often gives us opportunities to follow him in faith even further, to take greater steps, to grow in those opportunities, to grow in our obedience and our trust. So do the work that God's given you, but even in the middle of that work, I want to encourage you to wait for God's deliverance. Ruth found God's deliverance unexpectedly after she trusted in the Lord. Ruth found God's deliverance unexpectedly. Who was the deliverance? It was Boaz. Now we're going to discover over the course of the next few weeks that without a doubt, Naomi knew that there was a potential opportunity for them to be redeemed. But here's what we're going to see as we look further into this text. There was no expectation that that redeemer was going to be Boaz. There were closer relatives who had a responsibility to provide for Ruth and Naomi. You're going to see in a few weeks that those people weren't interested in doing the job that God had given them to do. Those people were not interested in obeying the Lord. Those people, the people that they thought that they were seeking, you ready? The answer that they thought they were chasing after wasn't the answer that God had for them at all. God had something completely different. And the only way they could find it was by taking the next step in faith, stepping out and trusting in the Lord to meet their needs. How many of you, how many of you have ever tried to orchestrate God's answers to your prayers? That's, some of y'all are lying. Y'all don't want to raise your hand. We all know we've done it, right? Lord, I'd like for you to do this. And then rather than going, all right, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to keep doing and doing. And we start trying to backdoor our way into, into that answered prayer. Y'all been there, right? Y'all aren't, aren't as godly as y'all want to pretend like you are. I've been there too, right? You've got that job that you want, so you prayed about it. And then you applied for it. And then you thought, you know what I'll do? I'll, I'll work a few other backdoor channels and see if I can't work this out, right? The Lord did this. And you go, well... Some of you teenagers are like, well, I got this girl I've been praying for, and you're trying to you know, just, just stop. Um, I'm trying to help you all here. Just give it, give it time. But, but we try to backdoor these things in, right? Well, let me, let me, here's what happened with Ruth and Naomi. Like, they start walking in faith. Turns out that the answer that God had for them, Naomi showed up in Bethlehem with an expectation of how her prayer was going to be answered. Maybe that's part of why she was bitter. I don't know. Maybe she knew that this, this redeemer that was out there that was supposed to step up to the plate wasn't exactly a great guy. I'm not entirely sure exactly what was going on, but we know things weren't exactly what they expected. But as they walked with the Lord and trusted him, as they took that next step in faith, it turns out that God had a plan. Folks, sometimes we got to be willing to wait for God's deliverance. But, but waiting, again, doesn't mean to sit back in our lazy boy we, we won't find it until we take the step. Ruth went to Bethlehem, and there in Bethlehem, she found her deliverer. Do you understand what all had to go into Ruth's life for her to get to Bethlehem? Let's think through this. Not only did Ruth go through incredible struggle and loss, 
But to go to Bethlehem, she had to turn her back on her native land. She had to turn her back away from her parents, away from her family of origin. She had to turn away from the worship of the gods of Moab. She had to leave that place and go to a land that she did not know. In 2 Timothy, Paul writes to Timothy and he says, please hurry up and get here because Luke alone is with me. He said, all I got is this Luke guy. I need some help. Listen, Ruth left Moab understanding that she was going to Bethlehem with nobody but Naomi. Think about that, ladies. She said, I'm going to go spend the rest of my life with my mother-in-law. That was her willingness. Some of y'all aren't godly enough. Everybody wants to be a Proverbs 31 woman. Nobody wants to be Ruth, right? You want to know why? Because you're all afraid you're going to have to spend your life with your mother-in-law. Some of y'all aren't laughing. That's because you need to pray and repent. Of course, if you had a mother-in-law like Angela's mother-in-law, you wouldn't have these issues. My mom is the best. I hope she watches this online. Can somebody send this to her? That would be great. Angela's mother-in-law. No, my mother-in-law. But, but I'm not Ruth. Stop. I'm preaching here. Don't talk to me. Do you feel forsaken, Kevin? Neglected? Is that the problem? Is that why you're talking? We, we, we get there, though, don't we? This time of the year, and it's not just this time of the year. I'm, I, I, I keep talking to you all about it because I, I, I've had you know to wrestle a little bit in, in recent months with some of my own anxiety and depression. I'm excited to preach about that the last Sunday in January. Looking forward to what the Lord has, I believe, given to us, and we're going to see that in the Beatitudes. But even as we, as we think about that, I, I also just recognize that sometimes we just feel lost. Even as followers of Jesus, we sometimes just feel lost. And when I, when I use language like depression or anxiety, some of you say, well, Pastor Craig, I, I don't really feel that way. That, that word doesn't fit me. Some of you just sort of feel just plain. As a matter of fact, for some of you, you've re really reached a point where you just don't feel a whole lot at all. Everything's just kind of like sand in your mouth. It's just kind of gritty and, and bland and dry. And, and, and you're still trying to fake it, Right? You are. You're, you're trying to get through. But the Christmas lights don't seem to sparkle for you right now. You, you really don't care about Christmas cookies. You're, you're just struggling to find joy in the moment. And y'all, when we get in that place, the temptation is just to pull everything in close. That's mine anyway. Or to push everybody away. Either way, how you look at it, what, what it turns out is you in a ball with just a few people around you and trying to avoid the rest of the world. And the whole time you're going, Lord, where are you at? God, will you help me? And in the middle of it, God's promises have not stopped being true. God's people have not stopped loving him and loving you. The work that God has given for you to do is still there. And in the middle of that work, there's blessing and hope. And God's deliverance may be just around the corner. But Ruth couldn't see it, and you can't see it in the house. 
Ruth couldn't find it until she got out into the field. As a matter of fact, Ruth never found it at all. You see, the Bible tells us that Boaz found Ruth. (laughs) You see, you're trying to find God's deliverance, but the reality is God's deliverance is waiting on you. The time may come that God's deliverance surprises you out in the middle of a field, surprises you in the middle of a church service, surprises you in the middle of a life group fellowship, that God's deliverance surprises you among the people of God or in the word of God. Because why? Because he loves you and he hasn't stopped. And right here as we gather at Christmas time, I really want to ask you this morning if you'd be willing to go to Bethlehem. Would you be willing to go? Will you go? Will you step out of your comfort and step into the place of God's promise not knowing for sure what the next step is going to look like? Will you take one step and trust that God will provide for the next? Will you step out? You say, well, Craig, I'm not really all that interested in doing all the other things. Would you do the things that God's put in front of you and trust that in the middle of it he has a plan and a purpose? Would you? Would you trust him even, even when you might not feel like you can trust yourself? I don't know what it is about our, our, our sinful selves. Well, it is our sinful selves, and that's what it is. That when life begins to get hard, the only person we really want to trust is the person that looks at us in the mirror every morning. You see, when life starts to get challenging, here's what we tend to do. We tend to push away the people that love us. We tend to run from the God who loves us. We tend to run from the people of God who who love us. And one of my favorites, well, I, I, I just need to work this out on my own. Chances are you don't. More likely than not, You need to work out your things in the same way that everybody else on planet Earth needs to work out their things. In accordance with the Word of God, among the people of God, doing the work of God, and anticipating and waiting for the deliverance of God. And Ruth and Naomi found all of those things in Bethlehem. And folks... Your deliverance arrived in Bethlehem. And it's waiting for you there again today. So this morning, will you come? You say, Pastor, I I came to church looking for answers and all you gave me is Christmas. Yeah, I did. Why? Because the hope of the world was born in Bethlehem. On Christmas Day, the hope of the world was born and laid in a manger. The hope of the world. What good comes from Bethlehem? It's not a place where kings are supposed to be born, and yet it is. There in the place, the breadbasket of God's kingdom, God sent the bread of life, the light of the world, and the hope for all mankind. This morning, I invite you. Do you feel forsaken? Do you feel depressed? Do you feel just tired? Do you feel overwhelmed? 
Do you feel like do you feel like you're too manly to feel that way anyway and so you just need to just push it off and keep soldiering on? Do you feel like you're too godly to feel that way so you just need to ignore it and move on? Perhaps what you need to feel more than anything else is the helplessness that comes at the feet of Jesus and the hope that's found in the God who lifts our burdens. This morning will you come to Bethlehem? Would you? Would you come and bring the meager gifts that you have to offer? Or would you come empty-handed with absolutely nothing at all? Bring your burdens and your cares. Would you come to Bethlehem? Would you bow at the manger? Would you take that first step of faith and pray and trust that somehow, somewhere, some way, in the darkness of your moments, that the light of the world would be the deliverance that you need, that you would find hope? Let's pray together. Father God, I pray that you would move among us. For any here today who do not know you, I pray today could be a day of salvation. Father God, for those who are carrying heavy burdens, Lord, I pray today could be the day they lay them down. Father God, however it is that you would have us to respond, I pray that you would move among us. In Jesus' name, amen. As we sing, stand with me. And as we sing, I'd love to pray with you. You're welcome to come up here and pray. However it is that God's at work in your life, I encourage you to trust the Lord and to respond appropriately.